Welcome into District 1 Sports. Mike and Micah back with you for another episode. Yes, we do have to talk about the Washington football team. I know, it's sad. What they did on Sunday in Buffalo was one of the worst performances we've seen in a long time. Got absolutely demolished. But we have to get back on the horse. Got another matchup on Sunday. And like we've been doing all season, we preview on Thursdays and then we give you a post-game reaction on Sunday. Before we move into the Atlanta Falcons, I want to wrap up this Buffalo Bills game. Micah, before we hopped on the pod, you said Washington has too much talent to be the 31st ranked defense in the NFL. And by all metrics, that's what they are right now. Giving up a historic amount on third down. Not stopping at all. Every quarterback, I feel like, has won Offensive Player of the Week against them. I mean, Josh Allen was just Offensive Player of the Week, and I believe Daniel Jones won it. So, for you, Micah, as you're seeing this team and with all the talent, are you blaming the players or are you blaming the coaches here? I think I have to go with what the players are doing. And I do want to preface this with saying I do think it's a little bit of both, but I would put the onus on the players because they're the ones playing. Um, And, yes, there is some clear inconsistencies with how the defense is being called. I think, personally, Jack Del Rio is calling a very bland and vanilla defense, something that you can do when you have a actual top five defense. But it's clear that what they're doing is not giving a lot of effort and it's not inspiring the guys. So the coaches are being held accountable for here. And, of course, that Ron, you know, didn't necessarily address the linebacker situation. There's a lot more, I think, roster building that could have shored up situations like this where you could – be a little bit more flexible with what you have and actually fill guys in where you need. I do think that the coaches failed on that. But realistically speaking, man, I mean, as former football players, you know how it goes. We go out there to play. The coaches can only tell you so much. They can only do so much. They can only prepare you so much. But when you have to step back out there on the field, I mean, you have to give the effort. You have to give a damn out there. And Brian Baldinger brought up a, a great point in one of his videos. He's always been a fan of what the Washington football team has been doing and the effort that they give. And he almost sounded disgusted when talking about this defense and how the lack of effort was just so alarming and how there was just no effort given after, you know, plays were breaking down or guys are eight yards up the field and offensive linemen are beating them to, you know, pick up their offensive player and the guys aren't finishing reps and stuff like this. I So I have to put this on the players a little bit that – the fact that even if they're in... I actually kind of disagree with that, Micah, because with what... I, and again, I do love all of Baldy's breakdowns every uh, Monday morning. The best things to watch just about different teams and schemes and just what's going on in the league. But I don't really think that their effort has been terrible. Like, I don't think that they're out there just getting gashed for 15, 20 yards and it's just like, well... That's happening. They're still rushing pretty hard, and they're still trying to go at the quarterbacks, like, for the D-line. He was saying the D-line was, like, six, seven yards back while the offensive lineman was running to pick up his guy. It's like, well, yeah, his guy's on the ground while the D-line just wasn't able to do anything again. I didn't think it was really an effort thing, and I felt like it was a weird play because, I don't know, at least from what I've watched so far, I don't think the effort has been bad. I feel like they put all their effort into everything. It just hasn't worked out the way they've wanted it to. Definitely. I don't know what you think, though. Definitely, no, and you make a great point here, and that's why I put some of the onus on the coaches as well. If they were going to, you know, if we're going to go split right here, I think it's a 55-45 split or even maybe even tighter, maybe a, a 51-49 split here. I do think that the players are being put in the worst situation possible to exceed um, on the field. And I do think that with this, you know, kind of being the reality here, the players might not be giving 
maximum effort all the time. There's still some inconsistencies with what they can control, and that's why I kind of put it on the players because I feel like some of the things that have, have been happening, it's just about will. I mean, yes, you can call a terrible pass on 3rd and 15, and, you know, you can do whatever you can do on a uh, defensive side to play in that scheme or whatever the case might be, but some of these things I feel like are just them just being a little bit too tethered to – what's been, you know, being coached to them. And I do think that great defenses and great teams in general, yes, there's a little bit of control. There's a lot of bit of control in there. But in that control, there's a little bit of chaos in there. They have the ability to go out there and be playmakers. I haven't seen a playmaker on defense yet this year outside of the interior line. Outside of that, I mean, I really haven't seen an extraordinary play being made. I think Cam Curl the first week popped. I think William Jackson's interception in that first week popped. But outside of that, it's been a really, really flat performance by the defense. I mean, some stops here and there. I think Jamie Davis might have popped on a third down or whatever the case might be. But there's nothing that has shown me that nobody, anybody wants to step up and be a true playmaker. And that's why I put it on the coach, uh, on the players. Because you can coach everything, you can put them in the right spot and wrong spot, but guys have to go out there and make plays, and there's a lack of that. If there was a situ- if it was a situation where you know these guys are being assignment perfect and these guys are being put in the spots they're told to be, and it's simply not just working on the scheme side, sure. But it's a little bit of a combination, and that's why I have a little bit of trouble fully blaming just uh, one side here. That's why I kind of split it in that fifty-one forty-nine. But I think the fifty-one does have to go to the players with this. I'm actually the opposite here. I'm going 70-30 coach-player split. And the reasoning I'll go this is because at this point, Jack Darrell has shown no ability to change up his defensive scheme. For three weeks now, they haven't been able to win with a four-man pressure. But I haven't seen linebackers coming on blitz. I've seen Kendall Fuller and I've seen Cam Curl come on a blitz. But I'm not seeing multiple blitzes from Jack Darrell. Yes, I understand you have four first-rounders and they should be able to win with the front four and this and that. But at a point when they're not winning, you have to change it up. And if the coaches aren't going to change it up, the players are just going to be stuck doing the same thing. It's insanity. It truly is. We're running the same exact plays, nothing exotic about it. We're getting gas for major yards each and every week. And they just come out and say, well, we got to play harder. No, there's something wrong with the way you guys are playing. As bad as John Bostic is... I don't think he got exponentially worse from last year to this year. He was bad last year, don't get it wrong. But he's been unplayable this year, and he's still playing. Cole Holcomb wasn't great last year, but he's been even worse this year. Kendall Fuller, and we can get into that conversation a little bit with, he's uh, a guy that was on the outside last year, went back to the slot, has not been good in the slot this year. We could send him back outside, but like you said earlier today, Micah, we decided to keep... uh, we decided to cut Jimmy Moreland to keep Troy Apke, and we see how that's working out for us. So there's so many things where I'm just like, I don't understand what we're doing with this scheme. And I understand the players are out there and have to play. But at some point, maybe try to change it up and help them because anybody can game plan for this team. And if you think that going up against Matt Ryan, even though their O-line is Absolutely. bad, he will take the six yards and kill you on a drive for 80 yards. It's not going to be big plays. He's not going to be running around, but he'll check down you to death. And if you're going to play that weak-ass zone, he'll take it. And you just look at yourself at the end of the game, and you just let Matt Ryan throw for another 350, 400 yards. So at this point, I don't know what it is, but for me, it's coaching. Definitely. Look, I mean, <laughs> that game plan you literally just named was pretty much what the Giants and Bills did the last two weeks, like two at C. Nothing extreme. 
just waiting for their moment to pop. And lo and behold, they popped. It's just part of the issues, man. I mean, I think you make a great point here that if the scheme was a little bit more tight and the play calling was a little bit better and a little bit more um, uses of blitzes and exotic looks and, you know, matching it in zones and stuff like that and actually showing, like, different styles, like protecting the fact that you might be in a, in a two-high show by showing a three and, you know, rotating late. There's a lot that can be done, and, I mean, this defense is almost just sitting in base and just reading and reacting, and, I mean, that's some stuff you do on preseason week one, not something you do going into a week four matchup. So we'll see what happens here with this defense, but if they don't improve, and it's simply if they don't improve on both fronts, on the player side and the coach's side, it's going to get worse, and I can't even see how much worse it can get, but it's going to get worse, bro, and it's bad. This defense has to change, and that's the main thing we're looking for going into this game. So let's get into the preview, Micah. First things first, what we always do, where do we have the advantage, what worries you, and our final score prediction. So, Micah, we'll start off first with, let's start positive. Where do we have an advantage, Micah? Where do you think Washington football team can exploit the Atlanta Falcons? Man, <laughs> I mean, really, what should be exploited, honestly, is the same thing that they might exploit with us, and that is the DBs. I see Fabian Moreau out there. I see AJ Terrell, who's listed as questionable. Their safeties are Eric Harris and Deron Harmon with some Rishi Grant sightings and stuff like that. Like, look, all right, if there's ever a week to try to work the perimeters and stuff like that, I think to, I think this is the week to do it. Really, one of my biggest things I want to see is I mean, look, Curtis Samuel, by all means, looks like he's healthy. I've seen him today in practice uh, by clips boasted on Twitter. I've seen him run some stop and goes. I've seen him in drill work. Everything that would make you out with a groin injury and it being really bad and a lower uh, lower half of your body injury, he looked real fluid out there, and I expect him to be a game changer. So I'm expecting them to really work the perimeter. And I do think that this is something that they kind of going to have to really balance out with the run game going forward because we know how potent this run game can be when used but and you saw like kind of last week when nothing's really going well for them they can't just outright pass like you can't ask taylor heineke to throw 40 times a game if you're down it's just not going to work it's too predictable when antonio gibson only has a couple of running yards but he has a really long screen pass down you know that's, you know, that's great that he had that screen pass, but you can't necessarily abandon the run game. So I do want to see a little bit more balance in them not playing from behind. And, of course, that's a group effort. But I do think that the DBs out there for the Falcons are fish food, honestly. I, I do think that we outmatch them in talent, and that should be something we absolutely go after. Yeah, so a couple of things. With, first, with the Curtis Samuel, I was listening to uh, J.P. Finley's radio show earlier today, and he doesn't expect... Uh, Curtis Samuel to play he said that he looked good but he doesn't look a hundred percent yet so that'll be something to watch for I'm hoping uh, fingers crossed praying that um, he's able to play at least he's practicing back-to-back days because that was the issue before where he would practice one day then take the day off so if he's Wednesday Thursday set and if he goes again tomorrow we may be in the clear for Curtis Samuel playing but those DBs Again, that should be something that we should be able to exploit. I'm going back to what was supposed to be all reliable. Mm-hmm. I think, I can't believe I'm saying this after I just read them. <laughs> I think the D-line can dominate against an immobile quarterback in Matt Ryan. Yep. Can't believe I'm saying this, but Atlanta's O-line was terrible. What the Philadelphia Eagles did to Matt Ryan was make him look terrible. 
We thought the Philadelphia Eagles were real because of that game one. They suck. The Eagles are not good. <laughs> they have a bad defense. So even a bad defense is able to, I guess, get some pressure on Matt Ryan, sack him a couple times. So for me, I'm going with the Washington D-line to be able to dominate uh, that Atlanta O-line. And hopefully that leads to good things for um, this defense. All right, let's switch it now. What worries you about this game and what th what what makes you think Atlanta can beat the Washington football team? I'm so definitely afraid of this past game. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, they just have the possibility to absolutely outmatch our, our DBs with the way they're playing. I mean, I just I, – look, it's something that I can't even necessarily explain. I mean, the, the past game for the Falcons is what they are. Matt Ryan is a very competent quarterback, albeit his um, issues with mobility. But – the Falcons are rolling out a squad that are going to be able to pass the ball on the perimeters and be a perimeter-style team, and especially with the emergence of Cordero Patterson as that third down back where, you know, you're going to have Mike Davis occupying the middle of the field in between the hashes, but Cordero Patterson, show he still has that explosion a decade into the game. You guys, I mean, I'm looking at Kyle Pitts versus our linebackers, and I'm literally shaking, bro. Like, this is scary because he hasn't necessarily, like, popped yet. He's had a, light, a lot of nice games. And showing that he can be a guy. But, I mean, if I'm the Falcons OC, I'm like, look, <laughs> do you see who's out there? Do you see John Bostic out there? Yeah, he's going to be lined up on you. Let's make this, let's manufacture this matchup right here. And let's get you 15 targets just because. Calvin Ridley, he's going to absolutely cause problems for whoever is trying to guard him. If William Jackson tries to take on that task, I can guarantee you it's going to be some wide open looks for Calvin Ridley. Olamide is a key. Is he's stepping up. He's not necessarily the, you know, the type of receiver that, Calvin really is, but I think as a whole, what you're getting here from the uh, from the Falcons is somebody that's going to look to be a perimeter team, and I do think they're going to try to outscore the Washington football team, and just looking at the DBs and what they've really shown on tape so far, man, I think they have the possibility to do it. I think it's a realistic shot. I think if Washington loses this game, it's because, for one, the D-line's not getting pressure, but for two, the DBs are just in a really, really bad spot, and they're not being consistent with their play. Matt Ryan has 350-plus yards, three touchdowns, looks elite, and you see kind of the same things happen, but it's going to hit worse if it's Matt Ryan because it's Matt Ryan, immobile, somebody that should have been replaced this year. Matt Ryan is a great quarterback in the past, but we have to look at that right now. If Matt Ryan is cooking you, then it's going to be really, really bad for the rest of the year because that's kind of the – the prototype of the guys you're going to be seeing for the rest of the year as far as some of the top guys, the Bradys, the A-Rods, as far as just them working the West Coast and being systematic in what they do, Matt Ryan still has that. And if this defense in the DB room looks especially bad against that, I'm a little bit, once again, afraid for the rest of the year. So that's really what I'm looking out for. If the Falcons receivers and their pass game really gets clicking and our DBs have nothing for it, well, you know how it'll end. <laughs> you know how it would end, bro. Two words. Cow pits. Scary. That's it. That's what scares me. Tight ends is, have always been our Achilles heel. We're not able to guard them. We don't know. We don't have a matchup for them. We don't have a linebacker that can stick with them. We don't have a safety that can stick with them. This is the game where I say, hey, Cam Curl, you have no other responsibility yep. but Cow pits. His body type is not a traditional tight end. He's fast. He can catch. He hasn't had his breakout game yet. This will be the week that he's going to break out. That's what worries me. I think he can get 120 this week because the linebackers are bad. The DBs have been bad. And like you said, playing into exactly what you said, 
Matt Ryan will take what they give him. If Kyle Pitts has 10 yards every single play where you can get an easy 8 to 10 yards, Matt Ryan will throw it each and every time. Systematic and will kill you. And that's what scares me because I don't know if they have the ability to stop anybody. They haven't shown it. So if that D-line doesn't get pressure, Kyle Pitts can get into the secondary and it could be a really scary thing to watch. Now let's get into game predictions, Michael. What do you got? So I have the Washington football team actually winning this game. I do think that it will be in the mid-20s. So let's go with um, 28 to 21. I do think that Kyle Pitts is really going to show out and he's going to have a breakout game. But I do think that the D-line is going to be able to do enough to get there and at least cause disruption with the quick pass game. Um, I do think that this is really a must-win and a wake-up call for what this team has to be because, yes, we can talk all we want and how disappointing the team is, but if they end up 2-2 two and two right before this big stretch, that's really, really important because in that big stretch, they could easily end up 3-6 and six like they've been for the last couple of years. And that's just, I mean, it kind of sucks, but you do have to really win the games that you're going to win because you're going to lose the games that you're supposed to lose at this point if they keep playing as they do. So 28-21, Washington football team. I see the D-line having a nice day. I see offense moving the ball as usual. Um, I do think that if Curtis Samuel doesn't play, it might be an issue with scoring, and I will bump that down to maybe like a 24-21 thing We went off a field goal. I do think it'll be irregularly close for um, the skill gap that should be present. But because of how low the Washington football team is playing, like the, the standard is just so low, I think the Falcons are going to try to rise to the occasion. Um, but I do think that the Washington football team prevails. So let's say that 24 to 28 um, range. But, yeah, so like 24 to 21 and in that range. You know what I'm saying? Around there. If Washington football team is going to win this game, I think it's going to be in a shootout. But I don't think the Washington football team is going to win this game. I think they still have major issues that they need to figure out. They talked a lot this week about how they're going to fix it, but I'm not going to change my prediction on what I see of this team until I actually see it on the field that they're able to change up some things. So for me, I'm going 29 to 24. Like you said, some issue scoring because Curtis Samuel does not play. Um, the defensive line, I believe, will play better, but the secondary still being so bad that they're still able to convert and score multiple times. I. I'm just not high on this team right now. I don't think that there's anything that's really, there's nothing they've given me that I can hang my hat on that. Hey, maybe they'll fix it. People are saying, yeah, the defense started off slow last year. Well, this isn't last year. You're playing a lot better teams. But like you said, Micah, two and two, no matter how you got there, it's still two and two. If I would have said beginning of the season, what do we go in the first two games? My prediction would have been two and two. I say we probably either lose to we lose definitely lose to the bills i think we all had that as a loss and i was like we probably split chargers falcons it's just the way and beat the giants obviously it's just the way that we got to this two and two that makes you feel a lot different but if they do dominate and it seems like things may be fixed you kind of feel positive going into next week right absolutely um i do think that they show that they can be a team that can control the game even if it's close they can control the game negate the third down conversion that's really the big part especially when playing matt ryan and the systematic west coast offense you have to negate the third downs because that's how you stop all momentum so control the game play clean on offense get off the field on third down make plays on defense i feel okay about this team the the shock and awe that we're going through is a little bit negated i still think that they're going to lose some of the games in that uh, stretch we're going on really soon but i do think that 
if they show that they could, you know, play a dominant brand of football and be the victors in a game that they should be the victors in, and it's not abnormally close like the Giants game where you're winning on a fluke, basically, I do feel a lot better about this team in the, in the now and really in the future. So that's really what I want. I just want to see this team play a good brand of football, play clean, get out of there with a win. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping, Micah. Before we leave, I do want to quickly touch on, because we do talk all D.C. sports, Wizards training camp is coming up. And we talked about this before um, training camp started and when all the trades were ma- made on how we like this team and how we like coach, unsettled and everything. But just a quick take, Micah, what are your feelings that you're starting to see press conference from unsettled and the focus on defense and seeing how this team is meshing together? Are your thoughts still good about what this potential Wizards team can be going into the next season? I'm actually really excited about what this team will be, and I don't necessarily see them being at the top of the Eastern Conference. That's not even what I'm looking for, and that's not why I'm excited. But I do think this will be one of the more cohesive units that the Wizards have put out there since around 2015, 2016, 2017, that stretch where John Wall was being who he was, you know, death row DC days. That cohesion as a unit was really, really strong, and I think with the talent that they have and what they're going to try to do, I do think that that brand of basketball is going to be able to return. I think Spencer Dinwiddie, personally, is going to end up being one of my favorite players. Just is how he talks about the game and his kind of clarity and what he's saying and what he's expecting out of the guys, his kind of team-first approach while still being somebody that understands that he's going to have to command respect as a point guard, he's going to end up being one of my favorite players that I've ever seen play for the Wizards. I just see it. Um, he's just a guy who gives a lot of effort. That's one of the real big reasons I accepted this um, as my point guard, just because, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie, if he wants to, he can go drop 20. But if he really wants to, he can be a guy that he can get you, what, 16 and six on, you know, a steal and a half a game. He can do that. And from what I'm really seeing from the rest of the roster and what I guess we're going to see coming forward and what I'm hearing is that with the athleticism, the pure athleticism they have all over this roster, mixed in with the guys that they have that can shoot, do a lot of multiple things on the court, I think you'll see one of the most dynamic teams. And it's not necessarily saying that they're going to be a high-paced, high-scoring kind of thing because we've seen high-scoring teams. The Wizards have one of the more high-scoring teams for the last couple of years. But I think the defensive side is where it's going to be really, really improved. I do see guys like Kyle Kuzma being able to play a little bit more free in the sense that they're not having the you know the bare to, uh, expectations of guys like LeBron in L.A. I see guys like Montrez Harrell being able to step back into that six-man role and be a dominant force. And I, honestly, I see guys like Denny really stepping up and being that secondary ball handler um, when Spencer and Brad are on the court and being able to facilitate. These are all things I'm really excited for. And I do think that there's a lot of reason to actually tangibly be excited. Um, just off the off the top of my head, I think this team is going to be able to land securely in the playoffs. And it's going to be a team that might surprise folks, but when you really get down to it, they're going to play a lot of balanced basketball, have a game plan in every single game, play with effort on defense, and it's going to translate to offense and get Brad a lot of chances to score. And I would see Brad averaging 30-plus again. So this team, the coaching, the mindset, everything that they're doing is correct. We just have to see it play out. You just got me excited, Mike. Yes, Damn, sir. That was a great great breakdown. I I can't disagree with anything you said. Number one thing for me, defense, defense, defense. It feels like everybody's preaching about that. And if Wes is literally in practice, like, hey, we gotta we gotta fix this defense. He said, um, I don't know if it was Wes or Brad that said it, but he said practice was like 70-30. We were focusing on defense and the 30 was offense. Offense was pretty good last year. So keeping to build on that, if they can do that, that's key. One thing for me, though, I'm 
I think this is the deepest team the Wizards have had since I've really started watching, at least for the last 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Where you look at every position and you're not like, ooh, I really don't want this person to play. Or, ooh, if this person gets injured, we're really in trouble. Like, we're not worried that Isak Bonga is going to be coming into the game anymore. It's like, oh, our 15th man is like, oh, Anthony Gill? Sure. He's never going to play, but even if he does come into the game, he did some good things last year. So I'm excited to see what we can do with that because we saw what happened with the Atlanta Hawks last year with a superstar player and just great depth pieces beside him. Not saying the Wizards would replicate that because not only did Atlanta was really good, they got extremely lucky with their draw and the Sixers turmoil and everything. So we have to see what it is, like you said, on it's good on paper. But we're dealing with a team that we just saw was good on paper. And the minute they brought it to the field, they weren't able to execute in the Washington football team. So with this, I am taking a very cautious approach. I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic where I do feel this Wizards team can be better than people expect. They're over-unders in the 30s, which I think is kind of ridiculous for the talent just on this team. But if they're able to overachieve, I do see Brad saying, hey, maybe I do want to stay here long term. Didn't what he said, his goal is to get Brad to sign the Supermax and him mm-hmm. and Brad are there together. So if that's a goal and everybody's feeling good about themselves, I'm not going to complain. I'll be happy. And new coach, new system, new players, everything feels good uh, going on on the D.C. side. We're not going to get into the Brad vaccine talk or anything. Hey, just <laughs> it's, it's what, it, it is what it is. He'll do himself and... Hopefully he's able to figure it out and it doesn't cause any issues throughout the season. But we did have this similar situation with the Washington football team before the season started where players weren't getting vaccinated, this and that. Hey, a couple of weeks later, everybody was essentially vaccinated. We felt good about the team. Ron wasn't talking about it anymore. So I think we're set. So hopefully the same thing happens here where everybody ends up getting vaccinated. Um, it doesn't affect the team throughout the season and we're set. So next time we'll talk. It'll be Sunday afternoon. We'll be in either a great mood or a terrible mood. I don't really think it's going to be in between because if Washington dominates, we'll be feeling great. If Washington loses in any type of way, I mean, we're going to be feeling terrible. We're going to be one in three going against the top. Yeah. <laughs> going, going up against the top teams in the NFL coming up, similar to how the Giants schedule looks. So. Hopefully, fingers crossed, the Washington football team is able to win and we have a celebratory pod Sunday afternoon. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.